This episode of Children's Ministry Monthly is sponsored in part by DrawYouPicture.com, where I can draw you your next ministry logo designed from scratch for as low as just $65. Check out the gallery, see what I've done for others, and see what I can do for you at DrawYouAPicture.com. Children's Ministry Monthly, a podcast focusing on the needs of everyday children's ministers. Well, hi there. Welcome back to Children's Ministry Monthly, episode 24, brought to you the week of September 29, 2010. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison, children's pastor at Suncoast Cathedral in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. Keep wanting to say St. Petersburg, Missouri. It's hard to spend the last tens of, tens of years, the last 10 years in another location of the world and uh, and make that transition, especially when there's a St. Louis, Missouri, so close and St. Pete and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, welcome back. Glad to be doing this show here, September 29th. Um, this week, uh, or actually this month, we're going to be going through our uh, voice, our email archives and just answering questions that we haven't, uh, you know, just emails, things pile up throughout the, uh, the months. And uh, a few of these questions I had been saving for a, you know, a main topic, you know, for the show. And, and it just, before they get too old, I, I want to go ahead and just churn through them. But we'll do that in just a bit. I want to tell you a couple things that are going on that you might be interested in hearing about. Uh, first of all, um, we, um, there, there's a video I want to make you aware of that I did last year. <clears throat> I actually released it, you know, right after Christmas. And uh, because the video itself was Christmas themed, you know, there wasn't a lot of interest, you know, after the fact. So I really want to bring it to your interest, your attention this time. It's a video uh, on YouTube and it, and it's, uh, but it's actually a story that I wrote for our uh, church's Christmas Eve service. It's called The Very Last Room and it's completely original and there's drawings, you know, that I used, uh, to illustrate it while I told the story, I went ahead and combined all of those. I narrated it, put some music to it, and made it a video. It's available on my YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, the link will be in the show notes of uh, this show. And this will be episode, of course, uh, what, 24? You can find that at cmmonthly.com. <clears throat> I want to tell you about it because you might want to use it in your children's ministry. It's called The Very Last Room. It's the story. Imagine for a minute if you were... Uh, a child in the family that took the very last room in Bethlehem uh, just before Mary and Joseph showed up to try to get a room. Okay. How would that make you feel? What would, what would be your interactions with that couple and uh, their coming child? And um, I'll go ahead and, and spoil it for you at the end. Uh, the theme, I guess I won't spoil in the spoil the ending, but the, the theme of it is very evangelistic. And the point being that, um, when we, if we want Christ in our lives, we need to make room. We need to get ourselves out of the way and invite Jesus in to stay. Okay. So it's, it's really cute. I'm surprised it came from me. I know that, uh, I know that God was all over that thing. So I'd love to share it with you. Matter of fact, me and a friend and, and it are possibly trying to write and produce a Christmas play based on this story with music and the whole thing. So I'll give you more on that as it comes available. Uh, probably wouldn't be available, you know, until next year, but I'm really, really hoping to do that. This is stretching me beyond 
anything I've ever done before, but you know how that kind of stuff is. It's scary, but it's exciting at the same time. Lastly, I want to tell you about another podcast that I do with my daughter. <clears throat> I may have mentioned it on here before, not sure, but I want to let you know. So maybe you'd be interested in sharing it with your families, uh, the, the families that attend your church, because it's called it's called Podcast Kid, and it's located at podcastkid.com. It is a show that I do with my daughter, who is five years old, and her name is Jenna. And it is a show that we do for children, uh, specifically ages three up to 14. That seems to be our target market. I thought it was just going to be preschool kids, but man, middle schoolers are eating it up too. Um, but each uh, episode focuses on topic a topic important to kids. Now, there's a little bit of cutesy stuff in there because kids like to hear about Jenna's uh, soccer games and blah, blah, blah. But we always focus on something like the last show we did was called Stress. And it was about dealing with stress. And then before that, we did one on playgrounds, you know, because you wouldn't think it's a big topic, but there's there's a whole set of rules about playgrounds and how you're supposed to take turns and not climb on stuff. And, and it, it's kind of sneaky because we talk about playgrounds and talk about how fun they are and her favorite slides and everybody's favorite slides. But then we we start to weave in messages. We did one on video games and how video games are fine as long as you're done with everything you're supposed to do. I've even got a character I do called Jojo. Uh, the clown that comes in and tells a story. Um, there's always a custom written song that's themed with that. And uh, and it's broken up into segments. It's about a half hour long. It's a great thing. I, if I do say so myself, check it out at podcastkid.com. Go ahead and screen a few of them before you suggest it. Uh, but it, it's not, quote unquote, a Christian podcast, but it is a podcast by Christians. And and faith and my, my daughter's faith comes out almost by accident, which is what I prefer anyway. It's the kind of show you wouldn't feel uncomfortable referring to an unchurched person, but you could sit back smug and say, you know what, they're going to get uh, God's truth in spite of the fact that it's not blaringly obvious, okay? So it's not a, it's no, in no way do I consider it some sort of sellout or a compromise. It is a show that is approachable by anyone and would draw uh, even unchurched people into the possibility of... of uh, of wanting basically what Jenna has for their child. Okay. So, cause she's pretty smart and cute. She's cute and smart. She's like her mom in both ways. So, you know, let's jump into our monthly topic and that being your questions and, and my answers. And we've got lots to get through here. I can't promise we'll do it all, but we've got stuff ranging from March all the way, April, May, August, September. So you can see how I'd want to get some of this out. Cause you know, I mean, imagine somebody emails you, you want to use it for a main topic, but what if I've got two or three ahead? There's, there's three or four months before I even get around to answering your question. I hate that, so I'm going to go ahead and hit it here. She says, uh, Stacy Card says, hey, Pastor James, will you please do an episode on outreach? You gave a great idea about the Valentine's outreach. I was wondering about any other outreach ideas you've tried and what was successful. Love the show. Please keep it up. Thanks, Stacy Card. <laughs> If you're not familiar with that, I don't remember which episode, but we talked about the Valentine's Day outreach that I did, uh, and and uh, and it, you know it was fairly it was done fairly well. We we tried to get the kids interested in inviting their friends, and um, there was going to be candy rewards, pretty basic, you know, bait and switch. Just kidding, a, a reward based uh, program for bringing in friends, and the the spin, I guess, the twist was that not only did we uh, reward the child that brought the friend, we wanted to make sure and or the kid. And then, uh, the, the second twist was we gave the visitor, uh, not only a prize, but a ticket for an additional prize the very next week. 
That way we could pretty much assure that they'd be at least visiting us twice before they, you know, gave up on us altogether or, you know, came in. But um, outreach is one of those things that I'm, I'm passionate about. And, and actually I haven't done a lot of, to be honest, at my new position yet. I, I had a deal with pastor that I wasn't going to be required to do anything outside of my basic job of getting to know my people, getting to know my kids, getting to know my parents, uh, learning how to do the ins and outs of uh, my programs that were already established before I had to go out and do anything. Now my goals eventually, and 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 actually coming up pretty soon because I've got to got to have my uh, plan for next year on paper uh, for a meeting in October that we're going to have as a staff. But so that'll be happening soon. But uh, my goals are to get into some of the public schools in the area in my in my neighborhood to do uh, some uh, what do you call them assemblies. Um, I'll be using the curriculum, the AG curriculum called Character Connects and a, a, a slightly modified version of it. I, I don't know that I'll be going in under that name. Uh, I, I actually want to use uh, the church's name and all that kind of stuff. But um, here it's it's a lot different. This neighborhood, this world I'm in, you know, I could give you a hundred uh, different ideas and some of them would work and some of them wouldn't. It just depends on the, the uh, you know, even things like the weather, but, but especially the culture of your community. Like at my last church, I do not think um, backyard vacation Bible school would work here. I could definitely see that becoming a possibility for an outreach during the summer, um, especially with preschool students and, and, and uh, early elementary. Uh, but one of the things that I'm wanting to do uh, next year is, is a giant outreach that we're going to do uh, called uh, the Odyssey. Okay, it's a spiritual journey. Let me tell you a little bit about it. It's ba- you've seen these um, these tours that that teenagers do, the hell houses and stuff like that. Um, I hate referring to those because you know there there's you know I enjoyed them as a as a teenager. I don't know what I think about them now. Uh, it's I don't know if they what they do or what they don't do. I, I know the world's kind of um, cynical about them, but the concept is it's a tour with a story, right? Well, they don't have anything like that for kids. So the Odyssey is something we did back in 2003 at Sheffield, and it was so successful. I want to, but we never did it again, and I really want to do it here. And I think it could be huge. Basically, what it is, uh, it's a non-scary tour uh, based on a series of rooms and all this kind of stuff. But imagine, if you will, uh, you're a group of ten people. You're brought into the first room. Music plays, a voiceover plays about the the experience, the spiritual journey, the odyssey that you're about to go on, and you're staring right at a couple of double doors done up like a a, a giant holy Bible. At a certain time, the doors swing open. You walk into a room, and you see a video of the earth being created from nothing as Genesis 1-1 plays out right in front of you with a narrator. Uh, second door you go through, um, there's Adam and Eve just after the fall with a snake puppet. It's all done up like cartoons, but but um, but the people are real. They're standing behind bushes, you know. They've got they've got uh, leaves on them and that kind of thing. And the snakes making fun of them about how uh, he tricked them. Of course, God comes, the voice of God, and and passes judgment. And and uh, basically, the rest of this tour, room by room by room, whether it, it hits all of the main Bible stories from. Uh, you know, Jonah and the whale, uh, the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, Dave and Goliath, uh, the parting of the Red Sea, each one of these with the, the theme of God pursuing man uh, from, from the garden all the way 
to the Garden of Gethsemane, and then um, to the Jesus Room, which is which follows his his birth, his life, um, all in a in a pivotal thing where it goes around in a big circle almost, and you see Christ die on the cross. Um, there's even a hell room now. Um, now I say that loosely because it's a non-costume room. It's optional. It'll be optional. And uh, the, it, it takes place right between the death and resurrection of Christ. And the uh, the premise is that, that of course, a, a guy in a hoodie, basically sitting on a on a throne, is making fun and and, and celebrating that he defeated Christ. As soon as anything, the light comes on. Uh, Christ comes up and steals the keys back from him. And so, you know, before the kid even has a chance to get worried about what he's seeing, you know, Jesus comes and makes a big wimp of him. But completely no costumes, no, 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 uh, no, no face paint or anything like that. But it, but it definitely gives, you know, it, it still tells the story. So anyway, you go on through, and and I won't bore you with all the details, except for at the very end, you go to a judgment room, which seems to be the staple. But in this one, God talks directly to the kids and says, you know. Uh, I just wanted to give you, I can't, I can't call you here. I can't keep you here. I'd love to, but I'm going to give you a little preview. Um, and I, I definitely want your name in my book and this kind of thing. And he, he, he directs them uh, to a preview of heaven. And it's just uh gossamer, white gossamer and drippy uh, uh, lights, you know, all over the walls and angels everywhere dumping candy. And I can only imagine playing in the background and they're just getting flooded with candy all the way through. Uh, let me mention too, that each room has a candy theme to the story. And I got that idea by looking at the back of a, uh, a, a jelly belly bag, you know, where they have the map, where they have the color, and then this is cherry, and this is watermelon, and this is, you know, barf, or whatever colors they have and flavors they have. So um, that's the idea. And we even give them a little map that shows all the different rooms and what candy they got in different rooms. So, you know, in the hell room, you get a, you get a sucker because only suckers go to hell. And, uh, in the, you go into the whale's mouth, you go and you talk to Jonah, and Jonah's talking to a puppet that sounds like Gilbert Goffrey, uh, a, a fish puppet, about how they both got swallowed at the same time. And it gives Jonah somebody to talk to, you know, to tell the story. But you walk out of there, and you could either get saltwater taffy or Swedish fish, you know, to remind you of the story. In the Jesus room, you get Hershey's Kisses because God so loved the world. And uh, it just goes on and on and on from there. So, this is something I'm super excited about. I've pitched it to my pastor and to the staff, and uh, it looks like it looks like it's something that we're going to do for next year. That's my, that that is an outreach. But honestly, after saying all that, it is not what I consider outreach as a. I don't know. Some people, some churches do two outreaches a year. Okay, and that's fine. At least you're not doing it. You know, at least you're doing that. But to me, outreach is supposed to be and should be a it should be a constant. Okay. So after all of that, I'm gonna tell you that that is an outreach, but it is not outreach in my opinion. Um outreach in my opinion is something that is constant. It is it is uh you know like I wanna be out in the neighborhoods, I wanna be in the kids' schools, I wanna pastor my kids and my and their parents in my neighborhood whether they go to my church or not. Does that make sense? That's what I want. I want to be the guy, whether they go to my church or not, I want them to call me when their kid's in trouble. I want to, I want them to call me when they need somebody to get married, even if it's a shotgun wedding. You hear me? Um, I want them to call me when somebody's sick and needs a visit in the hospital. I want to be the kind of guy that, 
that if they can't come to the uh, to the to the elementary school, that they'll call me to go and talk to the kid when he gets in trouble. Okay, that's my idea of outreach. I want to pastor my community, whether they go to my church or not, and that's done uh, through through going out and getting to know the people. It's it, it's going out, you know, with a hot dog uh, cooker. And and putting on a play and doing you know the magic tricks and and bringing the dance team and giving away stuff you know it's it's all of that but but it's also just being there getting to know the parents talking to them finding out where they work what they do treating them like equals whether they're Christians gay straight whatever um, and just loving people uh, that's that's what I want to do. What does that look like for me? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I don't know my neighborhood well enough. But I know that there are some very affluent people in my area. There's some very not affluent people in my area. Um, There's a lot of Asian folks in my area. That's going to be unique and new for me. I have a lot of Asians that listen to some of my other shows, and I love them to death. They seem awesome. But I'll be honest. I'm I'm intimidated by the culture probably because of the the stupid movies that I've seen. You know, it's terrible. It's, I, I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, but just like working at Sheffield broke down my stereotypes about African-Americans and about inner, inner, inner city people in general, um, I'm looking forward to God t- taking me into a new area. Because the Koreans and the, um, the, the other Asians that I know uh, over the internet and have communicated with, they are amazing. I love them to death. Their personality is awesome. The way their parents uh, harp them about being successful is awesome. I mean, uh, one girl told me she's like, uh, she said she tweeted it. I think today I saw it. She says, uh, my parents says, you're not a C Jen. You're not a B Jen. You're an Asian. You get A's and I just roll, you know, I think it's awesome. She says she's a, uh, this particular girl says she's a banana. So they call them. Now you got to understand in, in, in the inner city, there's different, slang terms for folks like an Oreo would be somebody that's white on the inside, black on the outside. Kids will call you an uh-oh Oreo. And that's almost a compliment if you're white on the outside and black on the inside. And she says she's a banana. She says she's yellow on the outside and white on the inside. And I love that. I just think it's so awesome. And to me, it's a sign of how far we've come. We still got a long way to go with race relations and stereotypes and all that kind of stuff. And, it, and Lord knows I'm living proof of that with what I admitted, but I love I love that 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 is the possibility that I have getting out into my neighborhood. So specific ideas, just stay tuned, okay? Because um, we'll get there. Um, But I've got ideas on getting into schools, about how to eat lunch with kids, um, how to get in there even, I mean, and not even have to fake, not even have to get, you know, say that you can tell them, I'm a pastor, I want to be in your school, and they'll let you in. There's a way to do it. And I'd love to, to cover that. Uh, here coming soon, but I hope all of that you know kind of answers your question. Okay, so here we go. This one's comes to us from Jeremy. Hi, just listen to your podcast from June. I think about dealing with discouragement, and I was really blessed. I realized that I've been becoming known by my complaining about facilities, lack of resources, and etc. And that's damaging my ministry and my legacy. Thanks for your good words. Keep up the great work, Jeremy. Thank you, buddy. Man. Uh, I remember when I, I still have to operate by that. I still have to use that, that if you complain about your situation, you ruin your legacy. And uh, so that that's a good word. And and I can say that because it didn't come from my lips, my friend. It came through them, but not from them. 
that was that was that was a spanking guide gave me one time. So uh, I don't know what episode that is, but go back and check it out on a past uh, CM Monthly. This one comes to us from Ben. Hey, James and Dave. See how old this is? Thank you for all you're doing on the Children's Ministry Monthly Podcast. You have several helpful ideas. Well, good. I hope there's a few in there. And you regularly encourage us to try new things. I would appreciate hearing a podcast about multiplying ourselves in the lives of our people. You give a lot of tips on recruiting folks for specific tasks, but I'd like some wisdom on developing leaders to serve as ministry coordinators. Ministry coordinators need to think about different things than most uh, volunteers need to think about. And they need to develop a different set of skills. Perhaps you could explore the following two approaches. One, recruiting someone to do a certain kind of task, and then they move up to be in charge of that area of ministry. Or two, recruiting someone who has leadership experience in a field unrelated to children's ministry. Thanks again for all your support. Keep up the great work. Ben, Children's Ministry Director, Chinese Community Church of Indianapolis. There you go, people. See what I'm talking about? Anyway, uh, thank you so much for your for your input there. I'll just say this. I... You know, for all the talk about recruiting and going out there and pulling people in, I'm not a big fan. Okay. I don't, I don't really subscribe to the recruiting school of thought, I guess. It just doesn't work for me. I think it does for certain personalities, but I'm not cool enough. I don't know if that I'm inspirational enough to people. Maybe, you know, I'm being mean, but to myself, but I honestly, sometimes I wonder if it's just not that I work so hard that people don't want to dive in because I don't pull any punches. I'm not going to sit there and talk about how blessed you're going to be. Um, there is that, but it only comes after you work your tail off. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think you can tell from what the, the style of my shows that, that it's, uh, you know, shovel in the dirt kind of children's ministry that I, I practice. Not a lot of white collar children's ministry going on here. And so I don't, I don't promote it as that matter of fact, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about putting in the bulletin. I make the video announcements. I make the pleas when I need help. I make, I make it known that we need help, but I'm not going to chase people down. And here's why. Cause I tried it, I tried it. And I found out one, one or two things. One of them is I found out that the people that I was drawn to were the same folks, every other organization that these people were crossing paths with, the, they were attracted to that same person. And most of the time I was like the 10th person in line. These awesome folks were already in PTA. They were soccer coaches. They were doing this and that and the other with the YMCA. And somebody had gotten to them first. The schools, the private schools or whatever, you know, were doing things and they just didn't have time. And even if they were, even if they signed on, I found that their attention was so spread thin and that their, their abilities were great, but I wasn't getting a majority of it. And because I'd come to the game so late, I was getting the last bit of what they had give. The other thing I found out is if I recruit folks and maybe my recruiting skills are amazing, more amazing than the burden they have for children's ministry, I found that I had to continue recruiting them the entire time they were with me. I prefer to have folks that God calls, the ones that come and knock on your door, the ones that bug you week after week for an application because they finally finished the membership class. We've had those people, haven't we all? And those are the ones that you don't have to worry about if they're going to show up on Sunday because they're there most of the time at the same time you are waiting on you to unlock the door. You know what I'm talking about? The folks that'll stay, that'll do, that'll, that'll come back and say, okay, what else do you want me to do? 
instead of the folks that you have to see coming in 20 minutes late and you have to, and they want to leave early and anything that comes up in their life, they're going to call you if you're that lucky and tell you that they can't make it that week. I think that the right people are worth waiting for. That being said, I have uh, trained people. Um, I, I, I've got a young lady named Jewel in my children's department right now. And she's someone that was already in children's ministry. She was kind of uh, just being trained to take over uh, a worship position um, in the children's uh, church when I came in November. And this young lady just showed herself to have the potential to be more than that. You know, she still does worship, but she's also in training um, and she's she she's got my mission Sunday every first Sunday of the month. BGMC Boys and Girls Missionary Crusade. She does that or uh, challenge. She does that every Sunday, and um, she was even coming in during the week. And uh, but again, not somebody I recruited, but somebody I saw that was already drawn to children's ministry that just had more to give, and I gave her opportunities. Now to balance that out, when I first came. Um, I had a lot of young people in my children's department, people 18 to 25, great group of kids. Um, and I, I wanted to start giving away some of the things that I was doing because it was the Pastor James show again. Uh, granted, I was, you know, showing them how I wanted children's ministry done. So that worked. Well, I put it out there uh, via email. I communicated to them in person and nobody responded at all. And, and this young lady, Jules, says, Pastor James, you don't know. Um, you're going to have to go after them. You're going to have to make them do it. That's what the last guy did. He would just assign people stuff, and that's what they're used to, and that's the only way you're going to get them to do it. And I said, no, I, re I flatly refuse. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to make anybody do anything they don't want to do, um, and I'm not going to put them in a position that they don't want to be in. I want their passion. I don't want just their bodies filling a space. And, you know, not everybody's meant to be up front. You know, it's, it's not like that's the only valued ministry. Door people? Are, are just as valuable and important as the people that sit with the kids. People that, that work the sound booth, good Lord, you know they're important. Don't you tick them people off. They will make your life Hades. Sound people are usually people that don't like being up front. They like being in the back. And so I'm not going to make that guy come up to the front if he doesn't want to. I, I will give him opportunities, but I'm not going to actively recruit him. And a lot of times recruiting and manipulation seem to be interchangeable, even though nobody uses that second word. I'm just real careful about that. Now, I let them know that. I'm like, hey, if you want to do this, let me know, because I'm not going to force you and blah, blah, blah. Once I said that, some people rose and they re they responded. And, and based on that, I communicated with them, found out, you know, their calling and their giftings. And now I'm giving them opportunities. They're jumping on it. I'm not having to pursue them. They're pursuing the call and the need. And that's, I don't know that I don't think that's laziness. I think I just think that's the way it works. That's, that's the way I work. And, um, and as long as you're clear about that, I think, I think, you know, and people know how you operate. I think that's the way it's a great way to do it. Um, but as far as going out and recruiting someone with a different set of skills, I, I, maybe you mean something different than what I'm reading, but I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's not my thing. It's not what I do. I look for people with passion for children's ministry. I look for folks that God has sent me. And yes, it takes longer. And yes, it's a risk. But um, every single position I've prayed has been filled. Every one of them I've prayed for have been filled. And to the point that I wonder why I don't just automatically do that as much as I should. 
I kind of like to stress about it for a while. So I'm a big hypocritical weirdo. But, uh, but anyway, within children's ministry, I'm all about recruiting. I'm all about promoting people. But again, I watch the cream rise to the top. I think people's gifts make a place for them. And uh, now I'm not going to say I don't challenge certain people. If I see something in somebody that they don't see or their their low self-esteem is prohibiting them from moving forward, obviously there are exceptions to every standard and every rule, uh, especially when you're making them up as you go along like I do. Um, so I'm not saying I don't do that. And I have. it's not that I haven't pushed Jewel. Um, I have in certain areas. I've, I've made people work in areas that they don't want to work in, especially if they're younger, man. I'm going to give them, they don't know what they like and don't like. And they're going to get a nice balanced view. They're, they're not going to work in children's ministry only. They're working for children's, or, I'm sorry, they're not going to just work for children's church. At that, if, the, if you're sixth grade through 12th grade, you're going to work in children's ministry. You're going to do some rangers. You're going to do some missionettes. You're going to do some nursery. You're going to do some preschool because you don't even know what you want yet. But uh, when it's adults, I hit them with these questions. I say, what's your availability? That's the first thing above any of your giftings or talents. I don't care what your passion is. If you can't be there second service on a Sunday morning for children's church, you ain't going to work in children's church. I don't care how much you want to. So there's first. Second, I say, where, what do you what age group do you want to work with? Because they've got a pretty good idea of who drives them crazy and who they can hug on. And um, based on that, then I'll make the presentation. Hey, you, here's the positions I have based on your availability and where you think you want to work. I make it an available to them at that point. I let them visit after they've done their screening and background checks. And then we try to plug them in. If they don't like it, it's a no pressure thing. They can move to another position within children's ministry, maybe a different age group. Cause you'll, you know, they'll be like, Oh, I didn't know second graders bit people. Wow. You know, anyway, hope that helps. Let me know. All right. When do I get to do ministry? Says Lindsay. Here's a potential question for your podcast, which is great. By the way, I'm a part-time children's ministry director 15 hours a week and i feel like much of my time is consumed by administrative stuff reading and folding lessons curriculum setting things up gathering props making schedules sending letters getting ideas from forums and etc i feel like sometimes i never actually get to minister to the kids sure i teach them on sundays and wednesdays but i feel like there should be more when should i be doing more one or should i be doing more one-on-one mentoring outside of the church or is that uh, for the older bunch, the youth groups and stuff like that. Should I be meeting with parents on a regular basis or my workers? I want to make an eternal kingdom difference, not just be spinning my wheels. Any advice? Thanks, Lindsay. Dude, um, how many of you guys, as I was reading that, how many of you were just nodding your heads or like, dang, I thought I was the only one that felt that way. Remember back when you were just a volunteer in children's ministry and uh, and then when you got the job? And you thought it was just going to be all about working with kids. And now I kind of joke about it. And I'm like, remember when children's ministry, uh, when you thought it was working with actually working with kids, you know, because what do we got? We got kids. Sure. But we got our workers. We've got our parents that we deal with. We have our peers, you know, it, that we work with on staff. We have uh, the rest of the congregation, you know, which is hopefully a harvest field for new workers and, and people that provide the funding. And then we have our bosses, you know, you may have a departmental supervisor, you may have an assistant pastor, and then of course a senior pastor, and usually the worship director's up there for some reason too, but um, we have a lot of groups of people that we answer to. Um, And, and because of our, because of the nature of children's ministry, we, we typically have a lot of people underneath us. Um, if you have programs and stuff, each one of those are leaders. So you really are a manager 
Um, you are an administrator, whether you wanted to be or not. And that's kind of takes us a lot, a lot of us new people by surprise. And it is shocking. Um, so, but part, that's not, you know, that, that being said, I'm reading and you're, and here's, here's what you're saying. You're saying I'm working 15 hours a week. First of all, you have my sympathies because even though you're only being paid quarter time, there is no such thing as a part-time children's ministry position. There isn't. If you're, if you're leading that ministry, it is taking as much time as it can get from you, no matter what you're being paid. So hats off to you. Keep fighting a good fight. Don't grow weary and well-doing and all that. Okay. Uh, you say you feel like much of your time is consumed by administrative stuff. Here's my rule. If there's anything that somebody else could be doing, you need to let them do it. Okay. I don't have time. You ain't got time not to. Okay. Here's where recruiting, I'm going to, I'm going to go back on everything I said. Um, the one thing I do recruit for and is, is this kind of stuff. And, and I don't know that I go out and actively grab people, but I scan the horizon almost like, uh, in Star Wars Episode Four, where Luke scans the horizon, looking for the droids, and I look to see if there's anybody out there that maybe doesn't even want to be in children's ministry, but they have some skills, filling out forms. Maybe they love to shop, and if I gave them a list of things, they would go get it every week, or once a month, even if I was that put together. There's old ladies that would love to fold your curriculum for you. There are people that sit behind your nursery counter who chat it up and eat brownies that could be folding your, your lessons and curriculum. Okay. There are men's groups that might come in and do something for you. So, you know, and the choir daggum, put them people to work at uh, it, it minimum challenge the choir to adopt a family or part of your ministry to pray for. Okay. As part of their, their, um, their, their deal Make a presentation to them. Um, and, and, you know, doing a lot of things like that, those kinds of things are things somebody else can be doing. Okay. So try, try to think about that as you're going through your life. Who, is there anything that somebody else could do? No, they're not going to do it your way. No, it's going to take a lot more time and energy initially, but I'm telling you, your ministry will get bigger and it won't grow bigger than you if you don't give it away. Okay. Um, that being said, everything's got its balance and, the administrative side comes with it. Even if you give everything away, there's still people that need phone calls that, that you can't give away. There's parents that need conferences. They have questions. Uh, there's teachers that their DVD players broke for the third time. The lights are out in the bathroom and blah, 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 blah. Work orders and requisitions. And I need a van and, you know, uh, notarized forms. I mean, that comes with the program and that my friend is part of ministry. Okay. Uh, but again, to balance that, um, God, God challenged me with this. Uh, actually I had a, a young lady that passed away in a car accident. She was eight years old and the funeral, you know, it was my first one and it was a child. It was really hard. And I had questions just like everybody else. God, why? And then, and then the guilt set in and said, you know, you knew this little girl, you knew her name. She was a sweetheart. She sat on the front row. She's in first grade. She was awesome. But of course the guilt came to say that you you didn't even know her favorite scripture. You didn't know her birthday. You didn't know so much about her. And I prayed through 
and I prayed through. And I think this is not just an answer for this situation, but it can be an answer for anyone that is doing the work of the ministry and finding that they can't do it all. And that is this. Um, God says, you know what? Um, yeah, you, you can't know everybody's stuff. You can't. I mean, I don't care if you got 50 kids or 500 kids. You can't know everybody's favorite verse, their, their ins and outs of their life. But he said this. He said, but somebody in your ministry should. Somebody in your ministry should. So it comes full circle. Scanning the horizon, looking for people that can help you administratively, but also scanning the horizon, finding out who in your children's church can you give these kids to, inspiring them to get in the lives of these young men and women, finding out the seemingly insignificant things like, what's your favorite cereal? What grade are you in? What's your favorite subject? What'd you have for lunch today? Just getting into their life, opening up those avenues of relationship. I can't know every child the way that part of my heart really, really wants to. The biggest part of my heart really wants to. Um, but somebody in my ministry can. Okay? My job is not necessarily to minister to kids. It is. And I'm never going to get away from that. But almost more than that, my job is to train people to minister and to duplicate myself and facilitate ministry for other people. That's where I get my kicks. Because if my leader, my first grade small group leader, if they get the leg hug, if they get the win, if they get a parent bragging on them like they used to brag on me, I still win. Okay? I get off on that. I love that. So, I don't know, man. Lay off yourself. Keep doing what you do and uh, and, and give that stuff away. Just, but don't, yeah, don't let it go. Don't let it go away, but uh, give it away. Uh, Dave, uh, or actually this is from Jessica. I'm looking for ministry positions for youth kids who would like to serve in children's ministry. I heard Pastor Dave say he had some middle schoolers and his tech team. What are some other positions you've had in your current or past ministries that you saw that really worked out well? Well, this is, a, uh, this is from Jessica, Zoe International Ministries. She's actually a missionary, and uh, hats off to you, missionary hero. Um, yeah, everybody's got that issue with with kids that don't want to leave children's ministry. And one of the jobs that we've done since middle school ministry is not, you know, thriving in many of our in our churches yet, even though it needs to be. We try to patch that by giving them, you know, jobs to do. And I've seen various success levels. Sometimes it's just babysitting for middle schoolers. Sometimes they're actually working. And we're we're in the process of really revamping ours because I inherited something to that effect. But Pastor definitely said if they're not working, if they're not actually contributing, they need to be in big church. So we recently went ahead and released a lot of kids and we're in the process of bringing them back on a rotational basis. So uh, some of the positions we've done is again, we have... Uh, stop thinking about it on a children's church level and start to think about it as a children's ministry wide thing on Sunday mornings, which is usually what you're talking about. Middle schoolers have the option of working in or not the option, but they can be assigned in nursery. They could be assigned in elementary or in preschool. And depending on their age, eighth graders are a heck of a lot more mature than your, your outgoing uh, fifth graders. Uh, depending on their age and the age of the kids are ministering to, kind of determines where they're best suited. In elementary, I'm not going to put them in direct charge over anybody 
that is fifth grade and under, because that's just ridiculous. Can you, you remember at your age, uh, somebody that one year older than you trying to boss you around, you'd want to whack them. That's just begging for trouble. So a lot of times we will use them, um, you know, maybe on the stage as game helpers. Uh, we will help have them helping set up and tear down before and after service, laying out games and stuff. We, you can use them as accountability partners when ta- when adults are taking kids to the restrooms. That's just that third person that you always want to have in every situation. Um, they're also good in the sound booth. They're good for skits, dramas, um, you know, il- illustrations, stage help, all that kind of stuff. Handing out candy, watching for quiet surprises, helping. I wouldn't actually have them over it myself. But those are the kinds of things you could do in there. Now, nursery, we don't necessarily have them working directly with the babies, but they are great support help for the ladies and men that are working in our nurseries to to be gophers. We also use them at our check-in stations to direct parents to the right room, especially new folks. They're great for that, to be able to send them to elementary or preschool or nursery. Now, in preschool... We get a little bit more liberal here because there's a there's an age gap, and those little guys think these people are grown. And as long as they're mature, um, we've had preschoolers or middle schoolers actually running classes with adult supervision, of course, or an older youth, uh, because we do a rotational-based thing. They can help in worship. They can run puppets. They can do sound. They can set up snacks. They can clean up. They can assist, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I don't ever have middle schoolers handling discipline Um, and I don't have them take them to the restroom alone. Okay. That's just, those are my two no-nos in every area. But, um, hopefully that'll give you some ideas there, Jess. Is it okay if I call you Jess? So, um, and she has another question, actually. It's been a while between the two. So she gets two. With your consequence ladder, she's talking about my consequence ladder. How do you keep track of what kid is in what step? For example, say I just gave Billy a visual, a verbal warning for talking and messing about. And he, now he's on the first step. But then I t- it's my turn to teach, and I'm at front. A, di- a different teacher says Billy sees Billy talking and messing around, and they give him another verbal warning and so on. If Billy plays his cards right, he could spend all night just getting verbal warnings from each teacher and helper. How do we, the teachers, communicate to each other and let one another know who has been warned and who needs to move up? Okay, In a small group setting, which this works in both, there's two different ways to do it, though. In a small group setting like Sunday school, I use this, and the teachers are, you know, it's the whole class. If a kid's messing up, the entire class knows. So that's kind of a no-brainer. Every every teacher's aware of what boy's doing what. Uh, In a big group setting, I'm a fan of breaking up the big group into smaller groups, even if they're sitting together. I secretly have uh, six different teams in children's church. I have K street, first street, second street, third street, fourth street, and fifth street. Okay. I sit them separately in, in, in subgroups, but really it's just the old school team one and team two. They're just not boys and girls. I have three teams on one side, three on the other, and I mix them up. I think I've got it. K two and five on one side and one, three and four on the other. Okay. To try to balance out the age groups a little bit so that, as a whole, it's kind of fair. But each one of these subgroups has a small group leader that sit with them and kind of as, is over them. If a kid raises their hand out there, this person's the one that answers them. I don't have to stop the show and uh, and answer those questions. Somebody else will do that. 
it is that person's job to do that part of the discipline too. They see that they're, they're not to be sitting the entire time. They're to be looking around, looking for quiet seat kids, looking for kids that aren't being quiet, separating those and running the ladder. Okay. Uh, the consequence ladder. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to my discipline series. It's a mini series that's in the feed and listen and hear about the consequence ladder. Um, and so it's not my job as the children's minister up on the stage to keep track of each individual kid. It's that person. They're not watching 200 kids. They're not watching 50 kids. They're watching their 10, their 20, their 40 kids, whatever it is. And, and granted at 40, I, I like to have three adults per small group, but my church is smaller now. So it works out um, on the stage. I have a completely different set of, of, uh, consequences as you heard in there about the behavior balloons and the points and the trophy of spam, the quiet seat prizes that I hand out. Um, that's the things that I use. And what I tell my small group people is if you can get to them before they interrupt me and interrupt the entire children's church service, then I won't pop a balloon for their team and you can handle them with the consequence ladder. If I get involved, then, um, it's a different kind of disciplinary situation, and I really don't use the consequence ladder there. Um, when the, by the time you've interrupted the entire service, I think you're on a different you're on a different level. And sometimes I've stopped the show, looked right at the kid in front of everyone, and said, "Are we going to play this way? Or are you going to straighten up and let's continue?" And you've got the power, you know, of some massive peer pressure to help you get your point across. So hopefully that helps you. Um, so there you go. Uh, la la. Let's see what time it is. Oh, good. We're only 45 minutes in. This one says, uh, this is from Annette. She just says, I enjoyed connecting. I got connected to you through iTunes last summer. I've enjoyed connecting with you through the podcast. I especially enjoy the discipline mini cast. It has helped us start a program for our teachers. And I think it went well for our first year. Thanks for making me laugh about the stuff that can make me scream. Sometimes keep up the good work. Annette. Thank you. Love those kind of emails, man. Oh, stuff. We're all in this together, ain't we? But isn't it funny how you feel like you're the only one? Hey, James, um, this is Chris. I just wanted to know, I wanted you to let you know, I really enjoy your podcast. You are such a blessing to the children's ministry world. Well, I don't know about that, but thank you. I've been a part-time children's pastor for three years now, and the Lord is transitioning my family and me into a full-time position. Uh, dude, you were always full-time. You're just getting paid for it halfway now. Uh, you're moving into a new church very soon. My question is, do you have any suggestions for a new children's pastor on staff? I'm concerned about the first service, about the awkwardness of the kids' acceptance of me, about working with existing volunteers, etc. All right, here's here's my 10 cents on that because I just got through doing this and I had the benefit of watching my mentor go through it and uh, and kind of learning. Here, here's some just some general stuff in no particular order. At first, I'd be very, very careful about changing anything initially. And anything that pastor hasn't specifically told you. And when I came here, pastor says, hey, there's a problem here. I want you to fix this immediately. It was it was in the children's church service. He wanted something changed. I did that first day, okay? But even then, I asked him. Even then, I said, pastor, can you give me a couple services for me to go in there and get an idea of what's going on so I could see it for myself so I can, you know, pray about it and really see what what best. And he gave me that permission. So when I first came in, I didn't change a thing. I was a participant, and uh, and I watched it myself. And I got annoyed by the same things that annoyed him. And it really gave me, you know, my own passion 
to operate on. But you don't know how much you're changing things just by walking in the room. You don't know because you weren't there. And um, the other thing, too, I'm very sensitive in a new church to the folks that were holding down the fort when before I was there. You know, if it's been a year, if it's been six months, it's, if it's even been seven weeks, they're going to have some ownership. And me coming in as the new flashy-do pastor, um, that can be intimidating and maybe even a little bit offensive. Now, maybe you don't care about that stuff. I do. I, I just want to honor them for their hard work. And I want to kind of get some of that hard work in my team. So I don't want to, you know, these are the people that were selected and trusted with the ministry that you're being paid to do. And so I always want to meet with those folks, get to know them, find out what they've done. And I don't want to just come in and chop everything down. I want to see, is there a foundation worth building on? Is there anything I could learn from? Is there something they're doing better than me? And is there somebody that I want helping me right there from the beginning? Is this about me expressing my personality through my new ministry and proving myself? Or is it about me being a good leader from day one? And uh, that's, that's kind of where I was at. And, and, and I move very slowly. Now, that's just within the context of children's ministry. Another thing I do, I would suggest, and I, I wrote an article to this effect on uh, Children's Ministry Monthly. I probably will find it and link to it in the show notes for show number 24. But um, when you go to a new church, you're going to find people that remind you of folks at your old church. And that can be good and bad. It can be good when you're right. It can be terrible when you're wrong. And they just remind you of them. There are people that just look like folks back at my church. And I have to struggle not to have them pay the price for the relationship I had with the person that was like them. Some of them don't look like them. They act like them. And sometimes it's square on. I think there are certain kinds of people at every church. You know, there's the high maintenance folks. There's the people that talk your ear off about their kids every time you see them. There's people that flirt with children's ministry, but don't actually want to work it. So they just kind of hang out, you know, I don't know. There's all these kinds of folks. Um, and then there's the person that was the biggest fan of the last children's pastor ever and wants to judge you based on that. And he's usually on the board. Hallelujah to you. Um, but there are some folks that are absolutely nothing like those folks. And I, I, this is a lesson I learned late. Thankfully I didn't act on my feelings, but there were some people, um, that I, that I was working with and working for and vice versa that I, I decided in my head, they were going to be this way. They were going to be a certain way. And they weren't. I was so wrong. They reminded me of, of some of the folks I worked with on my staff in my last church. And I, and I was guarded and wrong. I was wrong. And so be careful. Be careful with uh, first impressions and, and judging and things like that. Uh, the other thing I would suggest is make best friends with two groups of people. One of them is anybody that is on IT at your church. Make friends with them because you need them. You're the children's minister and they need to love you because you need them. Okay. Secondly, uh, make friends with the janitors. Okay. Janitors are going to be your worst enemies if you do not love on them because you're the one that leaves the big mess and they don't understand why. Uh, I, I've gone as far as to have a honor banquet for them once a month, once a year. Um, I, I want to invite them into my services once in a while and honor them in front of the kids and let them watch a service so they get the gist of it. And you will see such a change in them um, because a text without a context is a pretext. And if they see a stain on the floor, they don't know that you tried to wipe it up. They don't know that it was an accident, that it fell. They think, oh, these people, they just disregard the house of God and blah, 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 blah. And I, man, if these kids weren't here, I wouldn't have to do nothing. 
But, you know, and when they see a rapper on the floor, they're going to freak out. But they don't know that you've gone through with a team of 10 kids and picked up 99% of what was down there and straightened some of the chairs, you know, besides that. So make friends with those two groups of people. Uh, make sure that you are not stuck in the back, okay? Um, you need to be up in front of that church once in a while. Ask pastor, can I make announcements at least once a month? Can I come to a main service as soon as humanly possible at least once a month? Can you give me time on the stage to do something? I don't care what it is. Do the opening prayer for the offering. I don't care. But get yourself a presence in there. Um, last but not least, this is your chance to kind of redefine yourself. Not really fake yourself, um, which you'll be tempted to do, so don't. But if um, if you're a guy that you feel like, you know, I want to do this differently now. I want to dress in a suit or I want to I want to quit wearing jeans. Maybe I want to wear khakis, or maybe you want to dress down. I don't know. Whatever whatever the situation is, this is your chance to do that. If you want to shave your goatee? Go for it. <laughs> you know, unless you're a girl. Wait, are you? No, you're Chris. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You might have a goatee, Chris, whether you're a girl or a guy. But um, as far as awkwardness about the kids, um, you know, get to know them. Just just walk in there and be their best friend. Ask them about their their day and who they are and what they play and you know who their brothers and sisters are and are they married and you know there's hundreds of ways. I've actually got an article on how to break the ice with kids at CM Monthly. Just search for it with existing volunteers. I would definitely suggest sitting down with them and talking to them, honoring them for the work that they've done, um, uh, talking about how uh, you know you're you're not here to change things necessarily as you are to improve them and build on the foundation of what they've got, uh, go and, you know, make sure any ministry you're not directly involved with that you go by every time those doors are open and every classroom is stick your head in. I don't care if it disrupts the whole class and all the kids come running to hug you or whatever. I always strive to stick my head in every single classroom and say hi to the people. Um, have those people fill out, app, uh, 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 information sheets, get their birthdays and anniversaries in your calendar. You, they will forget is a magic. It's magic. They say there's no such thing as magic. There is. And here it is. They will forget. They filled out those forms. And you, when you walk up and say, Hey, is your birthday tomorrow? They're going to freak out and they're going to think the world of you. Okay. And you don't have to do anything. Just remember it. And, um, I love doing that. I think it's awesome. You may not be able to do that for all the kids, but for your, for your volunteers, um, and Google Calendar and reminders, it texts you, it emails you, it tells you all kind of stuff. And uh, you can do that and be awesome. Um, you know, and then regular leader meetings with your key leadership. You can't meet with everybody all the time. Not everybody even needs to have an opinion, but you need to meet with your top level leaders, get to know them, um, and then meet with them individually. And instead of sitting down and giving them a list of things that you want changed, why not that first meeting sit down with them and say, what do you need? Sure, you've been without leadership for six months or a year, whatever it's been. What what's fallen through the cracks? What do you what do you hope for from this? And be their biggest fan. Um, the last ministry, and I, it's almost a fault with me. The last ministry I put any effort into, and I put effort into all of them, is my own children's church. I am going to work hard and put money and resources and time into every other one of my ministries. And 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 now, granted, I do a ton. For Kids City, there is nothing that lacks in Kids City. It gets, you know, a ton of attention, but how much more am I going to put into the other ones as much as I possibly can, especially those that I share a time slot with and I can't go by and stick my head in. I can't do that for preschool. I can't go by nursery on second service and stick my head in. Um, 
but but I can I can love on them and their leadership and have meetings with them and send them emails and 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 come by after service and and say hi and how did it go and sorry I missed you and I love I'd love to be here I wish uh, you know Christians would support cloning so that I could clone myself and you know you can do that kind of stuff um, and this is just a pet peeve of mine the the trend seems to be lately that we take our children's church we have a very children's church centric view of children's ministry. And so we'll name, you know, like, like when I came here, it was called, uh, kids city children's ministries. Well, I, I made one small change and that was that I made kids city children's church. And that was the name of my children's church. And I went ahead and made the ministry, all of the ministries, all of the programs. I housed them under the name Suncoast kids, which is the name of our church, Suncoast cathedral, Suncoast kids is our children's ministry department's name. And one of those ministries in there is Kid City, Juniorville, Missionettes, Royal Rangers, JBQ, um, and the dance team and all these different things. And what that did for my, for my folks is it, 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 it brought us all, you know, like King Arthur and the round table. They had a round table so that there was nobody at the head of the table. But obviously, Arthur was still the leader. And so we've got that going on now. I, I just feel better personally about that. I'm not I'm not lifting my ministry. The pastor's ministry is the most important, and and because a lot of times those guys struggle with that, they really do. That the only one that's important is the big show, and the rest of us are just there. They can't say that now, and it was a small thing that made a huge difference. So I don't know, man. And uh, there's probably a million things other you know other than that I could say. Uh, the last one would be sen- be sensitive to your family's um, transition and your wife's feelings. Um, because you're moving to a new church, it's hard to make friends. You're going to be courted by the rich folks and the poor folks. I mean, the people of influence, and you're going to be judged and hated and loved, and no, 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 And your wife or spouse is going to have to go through all of that with you. Just be sensitive to them, have them talk, um, support them, protect them, and and the things that you establish right off the bat, um, you'll be happy you did if you stand your ground on certain things. You know, tell your wife, tell your husband, whatever it is. Uh, I don't know. Go talk to Pastor James. I don't know. Go talk to Pastor James. Uh, that's that's kind of my wife's saying because they'll come to her instead of me. Um, but set up lines of communication would be the other thing. I love Google Groups, man. So if you don't know about them, check them out. Google it. Let's see. Oh, I just wanted to make reference to this. Gordon, Mr. Gordon, emails me and he and he talks about he loves the show. Uh, he found us on Facebook and all this kind of stuff. He says the problem he's having right now, though, is volunteers. He says our kids have ballooned to 32 to 36 kids. We only have two main volunteers, myself and a good friend, that deals with the younger kids that are in the same room. Together, we've designed a weekly program to teach Bible stories over the next three months. Um, but really, with two of us and a random third person here and there to help out is really making it difficult. Well, yeah, because secretly you don't have two people or even three people. I don't count the person teaching as a person. You're up there doing your deal. You've only got one and at most two workers out there with your people. And that's ridiculous. But anyway, I'm putting um, your idea of having volunteers do characters that would come and visit the service once a month. And I'm hoping that this will grow legs and, and take off this week. But I was wondering if you have any other ideas that would help get volunteers out of a small congregation being uh, 80 to 100 people to help out consistently. Gordon. Now, I, I answered him, and I could just read it off. 
Um, but I turned this into an article that I'd love to direct your attention to at cmmonthly.com. And that happens to be called, how can I get volunteers from a small congregation? Okay. And I answer that question right there in uh, one, two, three, four main points. It's by no means, you know, all inclusive, but I think it, it's stuff that I've definitely have lived through and tried out. And while I'm there, I'd love for you to scroll down one more and see a uh, article, a how-to almost, called Cheap and Simple Usher Offering Machine. Um, I've, I've built a, a couple of uh, machines that suck the offering out of the kids' hands. Um, and they're made out of uh, buckets and uh, and uh, vacuums, you know, shop vacs. And uh, you can get all the parts at Lowe's. I want to say it's going to be less than 30 bucks each one that you build, you could get away with one. I even went ahead and added a light that turns on um, when you the bucket's translucent and the kids can see their offering being sucked in. So check that out. I'd love uh, for you to, to to do it. It's been a lot of fun. So uh, check it out. Go to the website. I'm manipulating you right now, but it's for your own good. Last one here. Rod says, hey, guys, uh, just thought I'd encourage you. I'm in Melbourne, Australia. Australia at Activate Church. What a cool name for your country and your church. I write our curriculum and I'm a volunteer to our kids pastor. Your podcast has been great to highlight some points and ideas when dealing with our leaders and kids. I know there are some things I would love to input or have questions about, so I'll remain in regular contact. Thanks for offering differing views and perspective. Uh, GB Rod. I don't know what GB means. Good day. Good day. I don't know. Stereotyped you. But uh, Rod, thank you, man, from hollering at us from the other side of the world and uh, differing views and perspectives. Yep. Yep. Because from our perspective, your country's upside down. And uh, on your maps, <laughs> Australia's on top of the world instead of at the bottom, isn't it? And uh, I think I've confirmed that the water does, in fact, spin the opposite way. I had a guy call in one of my shows via Skype and we, we tested it. And it's pretty dang cool. Anyway, that'll that'll finish this up. Let me uh, let me give you a few things to think about here, real quick. Um, the website is at cmonthly at gmail.com. I'm emailing you cmonthly.com for all the articles and stuff. Anything we've mentioned in the show is going to be in the show notes under episode twenty four. You can email your comments, questions, topics, whatever advice. Cmonthly at gmail.com. Call us at our new number two zero nine five NLcast. Follow us at Twitter twitter.com slash NLcast. Look up CM Monthly on Facebook. I'm going to play that again, dadgummit. <laughs> Look up CM Monthly on Facebook and friend us. You know, there's a lot of other children's pastors that have, and you could talk to them. It's awesome. Join us at cmconnect.org. Uh, leave us an iTunes review if you haven't yet. We'd appreciate it. And tell somebody. Tell somebody you know about the show. Thank you so much. God bless. And we'll see you guys next month.